Hello, everyone. It's Mark Stenson, and today we're unlocking your world of creativity and talking about releasing our obsessions and healing our thoughts from the inside out. And my guest is author, but also clinical psychotherapist. So we're going to get into thinking about our creative thought. My guest is Dr. Lisa Ortegara Crego. Unlocking your world of creativity with Mark Stinson. My guest is Dr. Lisa Ortegara Crego, and she is, as I said, a clinical psychotherapist. Thank you, Mark. Excited to be here. Starting in the areas of weight control and eating disorders, and really expanding out into all the other areas that we might have obsessions with. Terrific to talk to you, Dr. Lisa. I guess the, the unlocking part is maybe where we'll start. Why are sometimes we so locked up in our thoughts that we have these obsessions about whether things are perfect or whether things are just the way we want them or we're not good enough? Where where does that come from in your experience, especially clinically? Well, I think it comes from uh, a fear of success, a fear of creating something positive in your life. Uh, I think it's a distraction if you focus on your body rather than your creative side, or if you're focusing on uh, the addiction, whatever that might be, it actually gets in the way of productivity. And I think it's easier on some level to focus on that addiction rather than the reality of what could be. Hmm, Interesting. And so this fear of success, you know, you do hear that a lot, that the imposter syndrome, we often call it. Yeah, I can't possibly be as good as I am. Mm -hmm. And again, what kinds of things do we have to do to, I guess, acknowledge or accept or recognize that? I think admitting it, I think looking at it closely, what, what is it that's blocking you? What is it that's stopping you from being your best self? Why do you think maybe you have the imposter syndrome? Is it your parents? Did they tell you you would never succeed? You'd Mm. never be what you wanted to be? A lot of times we have these dreams as little kids and a parent will say, you can't be that. You're not good in math or you're not pretty enough or smart enough or we're not those kind of people. We're not going to be able to do that. And so that, that stays in the head and that is a constant message. You can't do this. And, and I've seen it in very young people, teenagers, all the way well into the 90s, where they're still fighting this, this voice of their parents or their teacher or their rabbi or their priest or somebody in that higher position that says, you can't do this. And then we get stuck. And does it ever happen the other way around? I think about the, the parents who tell their children, you can be anything, you're the best, you're the greatest, and yet you feel maybe I can't live up to that. Yeah, I think it's how you do it. Uh, the parent that tells their child they are everything and more and give them whatever they want, spoil them, they're in trouble because not everybody's going to like them or love them the way their parents will in those scenarios. But I think if you tell your child, dream big, work hard, be responsible, be accountable, you can do anything. I remember my youngest son, who's now in his 30s, he wanted to be a fisherman. He was a little boy and he had the fishing pole and he was all excited. And I remember saying to him, that would be awesome. You could have a fleet of boats with fishermen. I took it to another level. I wanted him to know 
you could be whatever it is, but take it to a bigger level. And so he did. Terrific. And I think about, you know, as a clinical psychotherapist, we hear a title like that. But, you know, finally, I, I get to talk to somebody who thinks about thoughts. You know, usually we're just having our thoughts, right? But well, what's going on in our brain when we talk about creative thoughts or imagining things? What, what is that brain function? I think our thoughts are created from our imagination. Mm-hmm. And I think our thoughts are often in conflict with what is real and what is not real. We have the rational and the irrational side and they kind of argue with each other. I think that we spend a lot of time in our head, a lot of time. There's a whole committee in there telling you, you can do this, you can do that, or you're not this or you're not that. And we have to move past that. I I have seen the most gorgeous women come in here into my office And they're convinced that they're not good looking, that they're overweight, that they're not smart. And I'm I'm in shock because their their internal message is not accurate, but they believe it. And our beliefs can become our reality, sadly. Yes. Uh, And that's so difficult. And you know, with that committee meeting going on in our minds, it's a great image Mm -hmm. of having uh, all these people and all these uh, points of view in our head. What are one of the, I guess, I'll call it coping, but it's how do you push past that? How do you get out of that meeting and sort out all those thoughts? I think you have to realize you're in the meeting. That's number one. And then then look at it and question it. Is it really true? Is this really happening? Do you really have this obstacle in your way, whatever that obstacle is? Um, sometimes hearing it and seeing it and talking about it with another who's not involved in your family, who's not a personal uh, relationship, you're able to hear it, see it, and, and make a change. Um, and, and that's really what it takes, getting it out on the table, looking at it and saying, you know, how real is this, this thought that you have, this committee that's, you know, arguing the pros and cons of whatever's going on. Great. Well, let's turn the page to your own uh, creative pursuits. You've got a terrific series of books now, Release Your Obsessions and Heal from the Inside Out. Let's start with the healing from inside out. What is it about our healing process that needs to start with? It's, it's not about the cream or the drug or <laughs> the you know, injection that we need to take, but rather inside the head. What are we trying to heal? We're trying to heal our inner self. We have these two worlds. We have the outer world. We have the inner world. The outer world is what people see, what we present to the outside. The inner world is the inner thoughts. It's that spiritual part of you, not the religious. I'm not going down that road, but more your connection internally. It's, it's that whole feeling, whole meaning you're a whole person. You're a whole self. You, you have value. You are important within. And, and it's hard for people to go on the inside because everything is so on the outside today. Everything. You know, we've got social media telling us this, that, and the other. And, and, and we're in competition with whatever we're seeing on social media, which could be not even true. And mm-hmm. so we have to go inside, you know, to that peaceful place, that calm place, that meditative state in order to really connect to our true self. That's our inner self. 
That's wonderful. You know, and on this podcast, we've talked to people who have given us tools or exercises to build our creative skills. But you're describing some things we need to do to heal our psyche and heal our inner selves. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tell us more about maybe something that we could do if we are in need of that. What's a tool or technique that we could apply to start getting control of some of those negative thoughts? First, you have to uh, address the inner self in in a a, um, kind of a meditative way. I think when we are out in nature or we're doing breathing techniques or we're getting quiet, we can start to make those changes. I think you have to be still. You know, that we, we talk about coping still, skills. You can do this, you could do that. Oh, sure, there's plenty of those. But I think rather than starting there, it's starting in that quiet place just to learn breathing techniques, learn some ways to connect with the earth, with the natural side of you, because we lose that. We're in a busy world. We've got cars and trains and planes and, you know, all this commotion going on. When was the last time you took a walk? When was the last time you were in the woods or really, really sat down outside and listened to the birds or watched a butterfly or uh, just connected some way to a natural part of you? I think that's where you start. Good. And then let's talk about your uh, books, this Release Your Obsession series, Food, Diet Chatter, Even Aging Now. Tell us a little bit about how this book series came about for you. Well. I was that kid who had the eating disorder. I was that kid who didn't know my way out. I was with the committee in the head telling me I was fat, ugly, dumb, would go nowhere. And my self-esteem was extremely, extremely low. And miraculously, I climbed out of it. I educated myself. I went to school and, and, and got my degrees and it wasn't easy because I was so in my head with these eating issues, but I started working on them and really began to heal in my early 40s, really heal. I I dropped a lot of weight before that, 100 pounds to be exact. Mm -hmm. And um, that was great, but that, that was the diet side. Then I really needed to do the work, the work of who I really was And anyway, I I went to school for um, my master's. I thought I need to help people. I I was working for Weight Watchers. I was their inner consultant and I helped their their staff actually um, reach their weight goals as they were working. And I remember saying, wow, we're we're all on this diet train, but we still have this problem. We're We're not really clearing this out. So that was when I went and got my master's and I focused on everything to do with addictions and eating disorders. Then I went on a step further and got my PhD and in addiction psychology because I was convinced a lot of the food stuff was an addiction and obsession. And that's really where it began. That's where my first book, Release Your Obsession with Food, uh, Heal from the Inside Out because I had released the weight, but I didn't release the obsession. And I knew so many were like me. And I thought, if I can get a book out there and help people, I've done something good. Because not everyone can come to my office and sit in front of me. And so I thought, how could I reach a larger group of people and show them the way 
emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. And so that was the start of it. And then when the first book came out, I said, oh my gosh, I'm not done. And then the second one was the inner chatter in the head, what we were talking about earlier. You know, the argument, the, the, the inside uh, commotion. So I really addressed that in steps that you need to take. And then the third one was on that cheat day mentality we all have. Oh, just this weekend, I'll eat whatever I want. Well, if you have a food addiction, that's going to lead to like all kinds of things. And so um, I talk about how to travel, how to go through Europe and um, lots of different scenarios using real people and how they mastered that. And, um, and then after that, I still wasn't done. And I said, you know, people are so obsessed with their aging. And, and I'm in that age group that, you know, I'm turning that corner and getting older. And I said, that's the book now I need to write. And so that's my recent one. Had a chance to read all of them. And what I liked that you touched on was your access to these real stories. Obviously, not the real people's names, but the real experiences, the real profiles that uh, people can relate to. You read it and you say, either I feel that way, or obviously you project and say, I know somebody like that. Sometimes we distance ourselves from, no, that's exactly like me. But uh, no, I, I think they're very relatable from that standpoint. Yeah, and that was the fun part. And a lot of the individuals I speak of in these different books, they are a combination. So nobody's going to be identified or, um, and, and a lot of them have already passed away. I've been in practice for a really, really long time. <laughs> and so I, I wanted to always be careful that nobody felt like, oh, I'm going to be in her book or I am in her book. Uh, no. Um, everything is, unless I ask them permission, there are a few, a few that I've done, but most of them are a combination. If it's a guy, I might've made him a, a, a woman. If he was, you know, from London, maybe I made him from Japan and, you know, I really switched it up, but they were true and they were real and they were people that, that like you and like me who really needed to find a way out and they did. Mm -hmm. So the stories are help it help really make it real. They, they do. And Lisa, I think about now in your own creative process as an author, did you feel you ever ran into that block that said, who's going to want to read my book? I mean, you have degrees and experience, but did you ever yourself run into that roadblock? Oh, yeah, I was terrified. I was terrified. In fact, the first book it morphed out of my dissertation and I played with it for 10 years. So yes, I was terrified who's going to read it. Do I really, am I really somebody that they'd want to, you know, I had that whole writer's, you know, um, fear of, of being not real. But I'm glad I put it out there. And once I did one and got over that, it was like lightning speed. I, I get at least one a year out. It's, it's very different now. I don't feel that way at all. I feel that I, if I help one person, I did good. I did good. You know, I, I've had a career for all these years. I've done well. It's really about helping someone else now. And it's so interesting as I think about a listener who might say, you know, I have a great idea for a book or I have these experiences I'd like to document, but I have that fear of either what people will judge me or you know, I won't be a bestseller or <laughs> whatever. The, but what, what finally helped you over that? When you say now it's easier, now it, yeah, I'm flowing. How did you get through that block? 
I think it was facing my fear and doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. Just get it out there and do the very, very best I could. I made sure it was written well. It was um, edited by an editor, not myself. Um, I did all those things you need to do to have a good book. And, um, and then I just put it in the hands of God, in the hands of the universe, and I said, whatever happens, happens. And when others come to me and they want to write a book, I always say, if you're writing to become rich and famous, maybe that's not the way to go. But if you're writing just to get it out and to put it on paper and to share with others, you got something. Mm-hmm. Do it. You yeah. know. Very good. And what about, I guess, uh, the collaboration with others? I think people think about, well, I'm an author. I have to write this book and then figure out how to get it out there. What about the people you teamed up with to help publish the books? I have an imprint. So the ones that I teamed up with would be like an editor, a designer for my covers, you know, someone to do the interior as far as formatting, because I, you know, I wanted professionals to do that. So I don't know if that would be collaborating as opposed to hiring. And, and I just, you know, I studied everything I could study about publishing and writing and putting out good work between my degrees and actually the publishing industry, because there's a lot to it. Yeah, terrific. And so what's next for you, Lisa? Where, where do you well, take the ideas from here? Um, the next book that I have, and it comes out actually November 13th, is Release Your Obsession with Aging, Heal from the Inside Out. And, and that book, is that was a, a very different in that in the middle, we had the pandemic. And so there was this kind of dark cloud hanging over me. Uh, I work in a big office with lots of practitioners and they were all gone. They all worked from home and I was all by myself for months and I'm still kind of by myself for months. And so to be able to incorporate that into it without making it dark was a little tricky. Um, But the book comes out and I'm very proud. I think we all have to be our best self exactly where we are whether we're in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 80s, 90s. Um, and I demonstrate that with so many successful people, no matter what the age. And then the, I'm writing another obsession series after that, Release Your Obsession with Money, you know, from the inside out. I'm very much looking forward to that one. And it just goes on and on. And um, I'm also playing with a fiction, uh, but using the same idea of spiritual growth, inner growth, being more creative, that we can accomplish what we dream. And in your aging book, a lot of people might say, well, you know, at my age, I really can't do this. Or, you know, if I start taking my degree now, you know, it's going to be years and here's how old I'll be when I get my degree. Why bother? You know, <laughs> what, what are some of the stories and findings and learnings that you uh, share in this book to help That's us so get over funny. that hurdle? Yeah, it's funny you mention that, Mark, because I have this whole section of the excuses. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't do it because of my age or my family wouldn't let me travel. And it's, it's, it's not about getting degrees, unless you want to, but maybe you never went to Italy and you always wanted to go. And now you're saying, I'm too old. Or maybe you always wanted to join a yoga group. Oh, but I don't think I'm flexible now at this age. Or maybe you wanted to start a little company in your garage and, and you were afraid. And, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. Um, it's not necessarily a degree, although there is a fella and he's 
I think he's 60. He's working on his degree in history. He wants to teach. He wants to be a school teacher remotely, and he'll do it. He will do it. And, and I say, go for it. We need teachers. We need teachers who have experience and wisdom. And, you know, there's no end to what we can do. Um, there are people I know that are editors, and they're well in their 80s writing books in their 90s. I have a, a dear friend who's doing a motion picture and he's in his 90s. So we can do it. Yeah, there you go. I think one of the other obsessions you touch on that you mentioned a, a minute ago was this idea of uh, appearances. You know, the people get it, well, I'm growing old. I don't like the way I look. What are some of the things that you address in your book about that? I think first you have to be where you are. That's number one. We have to be where we are. We can't pretend we're 20 anymore. We can't look back and go, I want to be 25. No, you're not 25. Maybe you're 50, maybe you're 60, maybe you're 70. You have to be where you're at. That's where you start and then be the best you there. Be the best you. And I have a whole bunch of areas, you know, just basic grooming. It sounds so silly, but if, if we are grooming, we can look so much better. And for us women, you throw on a little lipstick, you look better, you know, <laughs> or, or um, get a cute little outfit or go for that walk and, and, and get physically fit. You know, that, a smile, a smile will take 10 years off a face, 10 years, you know. And so I talk about those kinds of things. I don't spend a lot of time on cosmetic surgery with the exception of saying you're chasing youth. If you mm -hmm. want to do it, great. No problem. But if you're doing it because you're chasing something, I have a story in there about this woman. It's a true story. She came in and she's gorgeous. She looks like a 30-year-old, just stunning. But her hands, her neck, her gait, her eyes, not her eyes, you know, underneath her eyes, but her eyes, all are an elder person. And to me, is that really where you want to be? And she was struggling with it because people would focus on her face, but then see she was well in her 80s. So uh, we want to be where we are, where we can be. And so um, it has to be realistic. It has to fit and it has to feel right. Now, she felt great looking in her 30s, being older and didn't mind that her gait wasn't connecting. Great, great. But she didn't. She didn't. She felt uncomfortable and she was still chasing. Very interesting. You know, and as you think about releasing obsession with aging, obviously we, we focus on maybe our senior years or our elders, but doesn't everyone face these milestone ages? Oh my gosh, I'm 30. Oh man, I'm 40. Uh, life is over. I just turned 50. Uh, what, what do you think about each one of those milestone ages and how we think and approach those? I think if we greet it with open arms, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. You know, I, I, I look back, my 40s were awesome. They were awesome, but I made it what I wanted it to be. And um, I'm in my 60s now, my mid-60s. And, and I'm, I'm happy. I see all kinds of opportunity, uh, dreams, things that I could do. I'm not going to stop because of the age. And I think that's where we have to begin. You know, the only time I really, really got scared with age was when I was uh, a kid turning 30. That kind of scared me a little bit. I was like, ooh, now I have to be responsible. I'm really an adult, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but other than that, I've, I've always felt we should receive them openly and live our best where we are. 
Uh, terrific. Well, let's uh, circle back to where we started, and that is overcoming some of these creative blocks, whatever our creative pursuits are. You know, we have people listening to this podcast who are in film. They want to publish something. They want to do their own podcast. They want to get a record out. How do we let go of this obsession of either I'm not good enough, I'm too old or I'm too young, I'm not uh, the image of what I think my art would look like or the artist would look like? Uh, What are some of your observations and thoughts on that? Well, I think, again, you just have to face it and do it. Uh, I think that if you stay stuck in the obsession of wanting some, first it has to be realistic, of course. You know, if you want to run a marathon and that's been your dream and you're 85 years old, you need to run the marathon that's made for 85 years old or in your 80s. You have to, you know, put it where it should be. But you mentioned film director. I remember a, a fella saying he wanted to do that. And he did. He's off in California and he's quite successful. He's in his 40s. He started, uh, he went to film school and he got one rejection after another. It's a really tough industry. You get a lot of no's before the yes. And um, we talked about just keep going, you know, move the no to the side and just keep going because there's somewhere someone wants what you've got. So true. What a terrific conversation. Where, where can we connect with you, Dr. Lisa, and uh, learn more about you and your books? Thank you. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It was really nice to do this with you. My website's probably the easiest place, and it's, it's an easy one to remember. It's uh, weightcontroltherapy.com. And it's not about weight. It's about being your proper weight for you. It's not about weight loss, but it's weightcontroltherapy.com. I'm also on all the social medias, um, Twitter, at Dr. Lisa Ortz, uh, Facebook, Dr. Lisa Ortigera Crago, Instagram, at Dr. Lisa Ord. We should all stay in touch with you. Can't wait to read the upcoming book as well as the series as it continues. Just terrific information. And thanks Thank for you. sharing your experience with us. My guest has been Dr. Lisa Ortigara Crago, uh, just an outstanding creative person in her own right but also a clinical psychotherapist, so we understand the science and the clinical aspects of thinking, and then author of this series, Release Your Obsession, with food, with diet, with days off, (laughs) with aging, uh, soon-to-be money. Think about all the obsessions we have. You've got a series in the making that you can take almost anywhere you want. Yes, thank you. Yeah, well, thanks for being with me. And listeners, thanks for joining me. You know, I think the message here, stop waiting get your work out there. If we have helped you unlock your world of creativity, that's been our goal. Because really in the new world economy, information and platforms available to almost every creative person, it's a very valuable asset, this creative thinking that you possess. And we want to help you be able to apply it and get ahead. So come back again for the next episode where we'll learn more tools and techniques and get more inspiration from experts to help unlock your world of creativity. Thanks for listening. Unlocking your world of creativity with Mark Stinson. Copyright 2020. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get our book, A World of Creativity. Paperback is at a special price of $5.98, and the Kindle version is only $0.99. Go to my website, mark-stinson.com. 
The book is featured on the homepage. You can click it and go to Amazon, mark-stinson.com and enjoy the book.